The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anshu Khanna. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn, and as always, I'm joined by Anshu Khanna. Anshu, All-Star Weekend is behind us. This is going to be a heavy NBA show, but before we get to that, I just have to know how you're feeling tonight. I am doing, I think, better than you, buddy. I I know I appreciate you (laughs) fighting through whatever bug you've got here this week. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling a little under the weather, but this show brings up my spirits, and I'm excited to go through some of the things we have for you guys here tonight as we talk NBA. We're going to react to some of what All-Star Weekend had. We'll talk a little fantasy basketball, some MVP discussion, and then we'll get to some NFL stuff later on in the show. Uh, But why don't we get right down to it, Anshu? All-Star Weekend, like we mentioned, is behind us. Um, We had kind of a eh dunk contest. It was um, Mohamedou Diallo. who ends up winning the dunk contest. You had your boy, Joe Harris, who I know you talked about last week, uh, as far as the three point contest, he ends up edging out Steph Curry to win that. And then, um, as far as the MVP of the all-star game, you had Kevin Durant and Kyle Kuzma won the rising stars or not the rising star. Yeah. The rising stars challenge MVP. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think Jason Tatum was who won the, uh, skills competition. So first of all, just, just your reaction to all-star weekend. I know we were out of town and at a wedding, so we had to watch mostly just highlights, but, uh, what were your thoughts on all-star weekend as we have a chance now to look back on it? Uh, you know, I think that, the one thing that I take away from all-star weekend now is just like the lack of juice a little bit. Like I feel like we still, especially people around our age still go in with that same, a little bit of the same buzz that we used to have, you know, with the dunk contest and um, especially the three point contest has really amped up the last few years, but we need, something needs to be done about the dunk contest, even though Diallo had had a bunch of awesome dunks. I mean, the one over Shaq looks pretty sweet. The, the group that we're expecting next year should be very interesting. I mean, Giannis came out during it or after it and said that he was interested in going next year. And then Donovan Mitchell said if, if Giannis goes, he would go. And, you know, you got to think that Zion Williamson, although it looked like he might have had a very scary knee injury here tonight in their game against North Carolina, he might be in it. You know, there's there's a lot of interesting younger players. I think that we need that juice back from the, the younger squad to help bring it bring it up bring the momentum back for you know the whole weekend in general yeah and we talked about this last week on the show how really there hasn't been an electric dunk contest since that Zach Levine Aaron Gordon year which was I think three years ago now and the names that are in it just don't really get people as excited I mean you had John Collins who's you know one of the better big men in the league but you don't really think of him as an elite dunker uh, you know, Hamadou Diallo has the athletic ability. We talked about that last week, but he's not really a name that a lot of people know when you think about NBA superstars. Uh, you know, he's obviously a young guy that's very athletic, but he's, he's a role player on his team. So most, you know, casual NBA fans who are tuning in, 
to see some wild dunks or, you know, there, there were a couple that was cool to see him jump, jump over Shaq, but there wasn't the, the star power and, and, you know, what, what people want to see when they think about the dunk contest. So I agree with you. I also don't like that. It's been dumbed down to four people. I, you know, I like it when it was six or eight, uh, you know, you have a little bit more competition, uh, that could be could be fun to get back to that. But if nothing else, just having some big names in it, Giannis did say, you know, or at least kind of pose the question, uh, you know, whether or not he should be in the dunk contest. So I, I would love to see that. You know, I think it'd be awesome to see him. But uh, you remember a couple years ago, LeBron did the same thing, and then he never ended up uh, holding his promise. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. I, you mentioned the three-point contest and how there's big names in that. That that was definitely fun. That was a nice, fun competition. Uh, the skills competition is always okay. Um, you know, but, but I, I do like what they've done with the rising stars game. Uh, you know, having it be world against USA. I think that's cool. Uh, I, I like the, the, uh, the all-star game has now become a little bit more competitive just because you have captains picking the teams and it was actually a like pretty that better. I, I, the, the purest in me likes East versus West better, but just knowing how right. lopsided the league has become over the last decade, um, you know, I get why they did it, and I think it does make for a more competitive game. And I, it, it kind of it works for today's NBA and this Twitter universe. And you know, all the players are friends with each other, and there's kind of it's it's kind of clicky, and they're all very millennial. I think it works very well and plays very well to today's NBA. I think a decade ago or two decades ago, when you think about when we were growing up in the '90s. You know, I just don't think that would have flown. Flown. You had you know East versus West, and the guys were not friends. They were they were arch enemies. And I I personally like that NBA better. But for today's NBA, I think it does play well and kind of uh, work a little bit better. But it was interesting because you had some of those storylines in that game, and then you know LeBron's teams down the entire game. They end up coming back. Durant wins the MVP. It was a competitive game, and. It was kind of, I think, a little bit more fun to watch than some of the the past few years. You know, there's usually usually you don't really see that competitive nature as much during All Star Weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I and I totally agree with you on having to do captains versus conferences because just because like otherwise you get a full team of warriors. You know, like your your entire starting lineup is pretty much warriors. You know, or, or you know. I don't know, you get two Mavs or like a bunch of Lakers, whatever it is. I like the captain's concept a little bit better, and hopefully it'll get better as we go forward, and and fingers crossed we have less of this, you know, super team bullshit. You know, like it, it becomes a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, speaking of, you know, we talked about the MVP, Kevin Durant, of the All-Star Game, who will be the MVP of the regular season. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk of James Harden's gaudy numbers this year. I think he's on like a 31, 30 or 31 game streak of, of 30 point games or something crazy like that. And then you've got, you know, Giannis uh, is up there. He's second as far as odds. We're looking at some odds as of about a week ago on Bovada that, uh, you know, Harden's the, the favorite at minus 250. They've got Giannis at plus 350. And then everybody else, it's Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, LeBron. I don't know how LeBron's up there after missing 20 games, but Kawhi, <laughs> Paul George is a dark horse. Uh, Anthony Davis. I'm sure those odds will change with some of the rumors that we'll get to. But is there a dark horse that you like outside of Giannis or Harden, or do you are you are you uh, married to one of them as your as your MVP pick at this point at All Star break? Uh, I mean, my heart says Giannis, especially at those odds. I think that they're basically it's basically a coin flip. I mean, look, Bucks are what forty three and fourteen, something like that. Like, I mean, and I'm not a big wins guy, but Giannis is so 
unbelievably critical to their team. And, and, you know, Harden is so unbelievably critical to his team as well. But like, you know, the, the way the bucks are playing and the way that we know that the NBA votes for all for MVP, like the reality is if you were MVP the year before you get kind of like dinged for fatigue reasons, right? Like you don't, mostly you don't see the same guy win twice in a row. And even if, if this year Harden's been even better than he was last year, especially with Chris Paul and Clint Capella being out for large chunks of the year. I mean, I, I, I think that Giannis's performance this year is just as good, if not better than last year. I mean, and, and if you factor in the defensive side and what Harden is, Harden's a negative on defense, right? He's not even like average. He's a negative. And Giannis might be the best defensive player in the league, if not, you know, maybe top three, and and he's almost as good offensively in terms of his all-around game. So my vote would go to Giannis. I think that the points per game, and especially if Harden keeps doing what he's doing, it's going to be tough for voters to not pick him. But I like Giannis's chances between the record and the all-around game. I, I think he deserves it. And so with those odds, I mean, if, if he's you're telling me that he's way uh, of an underdog, way more of an underdog than Harden, then I, I like Giannis's chances. I like his value there. Yeah, I mean, you make a good argument for sure. I, I think that the thing about Harden and what I, I don't like about the MVP award in the NBA is that a lot of times it comes down to the best overall player when you look across the stat sheet, and then it comes down to the best statistical player when you look at somebody who's putting up crazy numbers like we saw with Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, averaging a triple-double. We've seen it with James Harden, averaging 35-plus a game. I, I don't love that. You know, those guys that, that put up those stats, they're usually not on the best team in the NBA. Now, you could say a year ago, Harden, you know, they're the one seed. Um, but, you know, Westbrook wins it with the, averaging a triple-double, and his team wasn't that good. So I, I don't know that I, I, I like Harden just because he's averaging, I think it's 36 or 38 points a game this year. Um, you know, yeah. because the Rockets have not been good, and, and they've been kind of – you know, laughably bad at times during this season. And especially, you know, Clint Capella has been hurt. That should help kind of give them a boost as he comes back after the all-star break. So maybe the team will get better and it'll help Harden look good when it comes to the voting. But I just hope they don't pick it based on statistics. Cause if they do, they're going to look at that points per game total and they're going to say, wow, that's, you know, that that's, that's worthy of an MVP. But Giannis is filling up the stat sheet in, in other ways. I mean, he's, He's putting up ridiculous numbers in a lot of categories. So I think one guy on the outside that that I that I really like, and I, you might you might have an inkling as to who I'm going to say here is Paul George. I, I've yep. loved his game, you know, for a long time now. But this season in particular, when it's been Russell Westbrook who's carried the team, Paul George is their guy this year. I mean, they go to him in critical situations. He's hit a lot of big shots this year. He's putting up 30 like it's nothing, game in and game out. Paul George is a guy, especially with where Oklahoma City is right now in the standings, he's a guy that I think needs to get some serious consideration when you look at the MVP award. And he's sitting there at plus 1,800. I don't know that he's going to win it, obviously. I don't think that he would, especially if the season ended today, just looking at the numbers. But when you look at some of the guys above him, you've got Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, who's now hurt, uh, and Steph Curry. I think Paul George could make a push if OKC stays toward the top of the Western Conference to be given real consideration. And I think, you know, guys like Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook are going to continue to move down that list. So uh, he's a guy that I would keep my eye on. But I, I think it really comes down to, for me, those three players right now. And I, I, I would lean Giannis. Then I would say Paul George. And I, I, I hate to say it, like, just because I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there say, you can't, you can't ignore Harden's numbers. You know, he's the best scorer, one of the best scorers of all time. I'm not denying that. 
But most valuable players should have something to do with how good you are with regard to how good your team is as well. And I just – Harden sure. hasn't proven that yet. There's still a lot of season left. He can still prove that. But he hasn't helped his team win games. He's just scored a lot of points to keep them in some games. And I, that, to sure. me, that's not good enough. I totally agree with you. I, so the f- argument against Paul George, I think, is just merely Westbrook. I mean, I, I, and I don't even think that – it's a great argument, but Westbrook is number one in the league by far in assists per game. I mean, 11.2. Second is 9.2 for Lowry. Third is 7.9. That's Drew Holiday. So, you know, the reality is that Westbrook helps create stuff for Paul George. But I, I think that Paul George is a great call. And I think in most years, you know, he'd be, you know, not maybe not a favorite, but he would be right there. I'm going to throw a name out there. Yeah, we haven't talked about it all, and that's Nikola Jokic. I mean, you look at a guy who just does not have a ton around him. I mean, Gary Harris has been much better over the years, and, and uh, Jamal Murray is a pretty good player. But Nikola Jokic, his efficiency rating is fourth to Harden, Davis, and Giannis. And, I mean, I there's no way Jokic wins, you know, MVP by any means. But this should be an all-NBA first-teamer, which is worth a lot nowadays, too, you know? Like it's hard to be an NBA for all NBA first teamer, and I think this guy. You think about like a second round pick and what he's become. Um, you know, it's just like in a league where we've got all this run and gun, and and you know, uh, just a ton of three pointers. I I think that Jokic has been like his impact has been so clearly felt, and if he's able to keep this up and stay healthy, his passing and his defense and obviously his offensive efficiency deserves to be called out. I mean. And, and, you know, like you talk about high usage, this is not a super high usage player in Jokic. I mean, James Harden, yeah, he might be the highest in terms of player efficiency rating and obviously in scoring and pure volume, but he also leads the league in turnovers, like clearly the highest in turnovers by far, like 60 more than Trey Young. Um, so, you know, he's he's like they depend on him for everything, but they also, you know, he's got his flaws. I think that in that way, Jokic is the complete polar opposite, which is something we should, you know, appreciate him for. Yeah, no, I I really like that too. I mean, you think about Jokic and look at the rest of this list. There's about, what, 10, 11 guys on this list that we're talking about, and almost every single one of them has a shoe deal. They're in commercials. Nobody knows who Nikola Jokic is, and his team has – do they still have the best record in the NBA? I'm not looking at the standings, but I think they're right. I think the Bucs do, actually. Oh, Bucs do. Okay, well, Denver's been up there all year. At times, they have had the best – record in the NBA and he's he's a triple double machine too at the yep. center position. I mean, he's one of the best passing centers we've seen in the last decade. Um so yeah, yeah I mean, that's a great call. I think his name again should move up this list, but how much of the MVP award is based on popularity because if any of it is, Jokic is going to, you know, he's going to fall by the wayside like unfortunately we've seen a lot of productive players do when you talk about the MVP conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just just want to call him out because I, I do think that being an all in a player really matters like it matters for contracts um we saw rudy gobert like start crying because he didn't make the all-star game the all-nba team is even a bigger bonus so it's it's uh it's just something to call out because yeah i think that you know who knows how many great years Nikola Jokic has down the line but you know we might be looking at like a young marcus all type and that's something to uh to be appreciated yeah no i i like that call for sure. Uh, let's kind of shift. It is a fantasy show, so let's talk a little fantasy basketball. We've talked a little bit on this show the last few weeks, but things are going to be ramping up here. You're going to be getting close to your playoffs now that the All-Star break is behind us. And some guys have been on the move, obviously, at the trade deadline, new scenery. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But then also, 
you know, there's going to be some big names coming back from injury. Kevin Love saw some action. Isaiah Thomas right before the trade deadline, or excuse me, right before All-Star break. Uh, Tristan Thompson should be coming back, not to just name Cavs players only. Uh, but there's definitely some big name guys coming back from injury that could help your fantasy team that maybe you either gave up on or you've been stashing away. So, Anshu, is there a guy that either has a change of scenery or a couple guys or is going to be coming back from injury that you can ride here to an NBA uh, fantasy title? Well, I mean, I'll say one that you can sell is Anthony Davis, obviously, if you can find a way to get rid of him. I mean, you even getting like, you know, um, an average-ish type player might help you a ton because who knows? I mean, you I think you had mentioned to me before the show that they, maybe tell the listeners what you were telling me, but it sounds like Danny Ferry is lobbying to get out from under Anthony Davis. Is that right? From yeah, so he's, he's reached out to the NBA and Adam Silver to see if they will allow them to sit Anthony Davis for the rest of the year. Obviously, there were some rule changes made that uh, don't allow teams to rest players, especially big-name players, when they're not injured. But obviously, with the drama surrounding this whole Anthony Davis situation and Dell Demps being fired and now Danny Ferry stepping into their GM role, uh, he's going to try to see if they can get a- around that rule. So I, I, it remains to be seen if that'll actually happen, but you can bet that his usage will be down big time even if he is playing out there. And we've seen that since he's been back healthy. I mean, he's sat out the entire second half of games, and he still puts up a pretty ridiculous stat line when he plays two quarters. Um, but oh, yeah. if he's going to be sitting out the second half of every game and New Orleans is basically trying to not be competitive, it, it's going to be a rough road for those of you who drafted Anthony Davis in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something to to take a look at. Look at, you know, I don't know if there's a specific player on that team, but I think there are some other options. I mean, I'm not a Jaron Jackson guy at all, but Jaron Jackson, now that Marcus Saul gets traded to Toronto, um, becomes, you know, Memphis has really nothing to play for. Uh, they've still got Mike Conley, so they've got a good distributor out of the backcourt. And I think that Jaron Jackson is, a you know, a quality piece across the board, across categories, but especially – in some of those higher value categories, blocks, rebounds, um, you know, assists even for his size are pretty good. So I think Jaron Jackson, as much again, I'm not a fan at all, but he is going to play a ton um, as far as that because of that trade. And, and you know, obviously, uh, I think the Bob, another trade where a guy gets freed up for a room is Bobby Portis going to Washington. And I mean, I doubt that he's available, but he had a Porter huge gets game in his first game with Washington. I only know because yeah. I watched every second of it. Yeah. <laughs> was he playing the Cavs? Is that yeah, why? he had like 33 on like – he missed like two shots. Dude, all right. So in four games with Washington, he's averaging seven – a little over seven boards, 55% shooting, 19 points a game. I mean, Washington has nothing to play for again. And even if they do, like, they, you know, he's going to be a restricted free agent after the season. So they need to see what they've got in this guy. I expect Portis to have a, a monster, you know, finale to this season. Yeah, I think there's – I mean, there's some guys who had – who other guys who had a change of scenery that I think are going to benefit in a big way. Ennis Cantor was one that was a top 50 player for a lot of the season in New York. Then they basically shut him down. They cut him, and he ends up in Portland. You know, and I think Portland's a good situation for him because he'll get minutes. He's playing with some really good distributors, some really good shooters. He's a good offensive rebounder as well. So I think he'll get some good run with Portland. Um, you know, you think about some of the situations that, that guys left. I mean, you mentioned a great one with Jaron Jackson. I think Terrence Ross is going to get a little bit more action with Jonathan Simmons being on the move. Uh, Terrence Ross mm-hmm. has been kind of a streaky guy 
but for Orlando, but he'll get a lot more play. And you mentioned Jonathan Isaac a couple weeks ago. You know, he's been a 40-point a game guy in our league the last couple weeks, and he's he's been very yeah, productive. Been awesome. So there's going to be guys for teams that were in sell mode at the trade deadline that now you have some young guys that are going to be able to step into those roles and, and be very productive, get a lot more minutes than maybe they would have otherwise gotten. Wesley Matthews is another guy. Uh, you know, he leaves Dallas. He ends up getting uh, an opportunity to sign wherever he wants, and he goes to Indiana where he's going to get an opportunity to start because Victor Oladipo obviously is down and, and they, they are going to start him. So that, that could be another guy that maybe has a, some revitalized value and maybe That's is available on your bench uh, or on the, excuse me, on the free agent market. So there's a lot of guys there when you look at guys that were on the move that, uh, you know, are going to get some more minutes. Uh, Jordan McRae, I mean, he's not a guy anybody any ever would have thought of from a fantasy basketball oh. perspective. Now he's getting crazy minutes because Washington trades Otto Porter, who was really their, you know, their one wing that, uh, that was productive night in and night out. So, and Otto Porter, again, looking good in Chicago. So sometimes he's the change of awesome. scenery opens up opportunities for more than one guy on either side of those deals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and that you brought up Otto I don't know what trade deadlines are like in other leagues, but I know ours is coming up here in the next few weeks. I, Otto Porter is going to get a ton of burn for the Bulls for sure. He's setting them up. He's looked so much more decisive with the ball. I think that he's a real interesting buy for someone. Um, what about some some guys that you're you know avoiding, let's say, or like you know situations to beware of? Because like I, I'm looking at you know like. Boston there's so many cooks in the kitchen there I think that even like Brooklyn now they've got Joe Harris was really coming on we mentioned him we've mentioned him way too much the last two weeks but like you know Karis Levert is coming back there and mm-hmm. um you know there's just Dinwiddie there's a lot back. Dinwiddie's gonna be back exactly and so that's that's a situation I avoid are there are there either front courts back courts situations that you might avoid and then looking at specific players like the Toronto, the whole Toronto front court is a total cluster aside from Kawhi, and even Kawhi, I think at times is, you know, they're they're resting him at times. They know what the long game is, and you know, with Marcus Sol there now, um, you know, maybe it, it hurts Ibaka's time. You know, there's there's just a lot going on there. So uh, yeah. anybody like that that you're interested in that you'd be avoiding? Yeah, I, I have two. Uh, so Sacramento, when you look at their the guards out in Sacramento, it, it got pretty crowded uh, at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. So they add Harrison Barnes. They bring in Alec Burks. You know, they already have a a decent stable of guards. I think that there's going to be some minutes to be shared. And Sacramento is still trying to be competitive. So I'm I'm probably staying away from some of those guys. Uh, You know, I think De'Aaron Fox is still somebody you fire up. But when you look at their their twos and threes, I I think that there's going to be a lot of crowded numbers there. And I just don't know that I'm trusting Harrison Barnes in that new environment from a fantasy standpoint. The other one is... Cleveland, their front court. You look at their front court, you're going to get Tristan Thompson back here soon. He was very productive because he had so many rebounds. He was one of the best rebounders in the league when he was healthy. He'll be getting back, uh, you know, and he'll be focused on basketball now. He's got the Kardashian out of his life. You've got Kevin Love coming back. <laughs> Kevin Love's been an injury machine the last few years. You just He's a tough person to trust, so I would try to trade him if I had him in my, in, in, in my fantasy team. And then you have Larry Nance Jr., who – 
in their absence has been extremely productive. He had a career high in rebounds a couple games ago. He's finally shooting threes well. Uh, and then Marquise Chris had like a 46 point game, Chris, yep. uh, 46 fantasy points, but he had like 23 points. He had the dunk of the year. Uh, he, he's a guy who, you know, he, he could be very productive if given the opportunity, but it's just going to be too crowded in that front court. So I'm kind of avoiding that altogether. Uh, so those are Chetty's two. also yeah. hovering, right? I yeah. Mean, there's, but he's, in he, he's been hurt. Uh, you know, the Cavs situation altogether is a tough one to monitor when you look at fantasy basketball just because they're playing so many guys. They're they're just not easy to trust. I mean, even Colin Sexton, who you and I both love, he's a guy who, who's productive at times, but he's a tough person to trust in fantasy just because his stat lines are all over the place. He'll, he'll have 27 one night, and then he'll have 12 the next night on 6 of 18 for, you know, shooting or whatever. So I, I think that uh, – you know, even though I love my Cavs and I'm rooting for them here, it's going to be tough if you're talking about them from a fantasy standpoint. I do like Jordan Clarkson, though, because he's going to get minutes regardless and he's going to put up 25 shots a game. So you're, you're generally going to get, you know, 18 to 20 on, a, on the low end. And then when he when he's getting some boards and, and some assists, he's helping you there. So there's a couple that, that I think you could find a diamond in the rough with. But, yeah, altogether, all I'm pretty much avoiding Cleveland. What yeah, about you? for sure. I agree. The, the one I was looking at was Boston. Just not necessarily because of anything specific that happened over the break, but that's that's just a team that I think that, they're, you know, down the stretch, you're just not sure who's going to rest when. I mean, I, specifically Al Horford is one that I, I would watch for. Like, he's, you know, there's just – he's just not been playing. He, he was really heating up heading into the All-Star break, but then, you know, I, I just – I Kyrie wasn't really playing and they've got different things going on there. And I, I just, I think there's going to be more of the young guys playing down the stretch and seeing, you know, tinkering, you know, Brad Stevens style with various lineups to, to see, you know, how to match up against specifically Milwaukee and Philly and, and uh, you know, whoever else they might play there uh, in the early, in the later round. So I, I think that that's uh, specifically Al Horford is one that I look at and Gordon Hayward's starting to heat up. He might be one to buy, but you know, again, coming off the knee, maybe he's given more breaks and more liberties with rest down the stretch. So maybe he's another one to just sort of hold. Um, but yeah, that I look at Boston and, and even Philly, you know, trading for Tobias Harris and looking at what they've looked like the last few weeks. I mean, there's, it's a different kind of complexion team and, and, you know, with Boban there even too, they're getting 20 minutes out of him. So there's, I mean, there's, and in their wake, I mean, there's some opportunity there in L.A. with the Clippers, I think, with some some interesting players to look at. You know, Lou Williams. Sweet Lou. Obviously getting a ton of burn there. That That's that's someone that should step up and play a whole lot there. And, you know, Shy Gilgis Alexander is a guy that's been pretty inefficient, but obviously has a ton of talent and has flashed at times. So, um, you know, you look at him, I think, as a buy probably more than a sell. But those those are two situations I'd be monitoring, too. Yeah, Danilo Gallinari is going to get a lot of run uh, in, in, for the Clippers as well. I mean, him and Tobias Harris split minutes quite a bit, and now that he's healthy, mm-hmm. coming back from back issues, as long as he could stay healthy, he's a guy to keep an eye on down the stretch as well. He does a lot to fill up the stat sheet when when he gets the minutes too. Uh, before we move on from the NBA, though, I just you, you brought up a point with the Celtics that that kind of had me thinking, and I just like to hear your thoughts on who you think has the the, the wildest trajectory from this point to the end of the season, whether it's in a good way or in a bad way, who has the, the highest rise or the lowest fall uh, where, from where they're at in the standings for the rest of the way here for you? Oh, wow. Uh, the highest rise or the lo- biggest fall. I mean, I, I think 
the biggest fall you got to be looking at Oklahoma City, or I mean, obviously New Orleans, and then not not Oklahoma City, New Orleans, and then man, Boston. I think Boston's the most volatile, probably. Like as far as could could just shoot up and you know really click with Kyrie back and come off coming off the uh, you know the All Star break and that. But you know, there's that's also a super again volatile. Like it could totally tank for them, right? Like it, it could be a disaster. And I would say the same thing about the Lakers on the other side. I mean, I think that they could skyrocket. Um, but if, you know, if LeBron's not playing, you know, not playing, if he's taking games off, Lakers can miss the playoffs. So, you know, they're, they're not in position right now either. So do you have any specific teams or even individual players that you're looking at with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's one on each side, one in the West and one in the East that I have my eye on that I think could drop quite a bit. And I think Brooklyn has been kind of fluky all year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just talked about things getting kind of crowded. Uh, You know, they were in a rhythm earlier on in the season, but I think with Levert coming back, you know, he's, he's getting some, some good minutes off the bench already. And then you're going to have Didwinnie coming back. I just don't know if they really, I mean, D'Angelo Russell has been amazing. I just don't know Mm -hmm. if he's a guy who can carry a team and they're, they're the sixth seed in the East right now. And you, you look at, some of the teams that are kind of on the outside looking in right now, you've got Miami, who I think is only going to get better as they get healthy and, and the season wears on. Orlando made some interesting moves that are going to free up some some minutes for some of the guys that I think provide them a spark. Uh, you know, Washington is probably going to be a team that falls off a little bit, but I think Miami or Orlando could make a move in the right direction. I think Brooklyn could fall off. And then in the West, I think that you just mentioned the Clippers and, you know, some of the guys getting more minutes, which is great. But just from a competitive basketball standpoint, I I think that they proved that they were in sell mode. They talked all up to the trade deadline. We're not trading Tobias Harris. He's our guy for the long haul. We're going to sign him in the offseason to a long-term deal. And then they go and trade their best player when they're in the playoffs. I just – I don't get that with their franchise's thinking. I know they're trying to free up – you know, space to, to bring in a, a high-profile free agent, but you're not going to bring on a high-profile free agent if you have nobody to play with them. So uh, I hated that move from the Clippers, and I think them and both both them and Sacramento could fall off a bit on that side. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that they traded Tobias Harris but kept Lou Williams because, like, if you're going to tank, just go all the way with it. Don't take a half measure, you know, and um, they, they didn't. I mean, they trade Tobias Harris. You're right. I mean, if you – if you keep Tobias Harris, aren't you more attractive to a guy like Kawhi Leonard? Than 100%. If Especially because he's like your your perfect team player oh, guy. Yeah. And then, you know, having a scorer like Lou Williams off the bench, he's led the NBA in uh, bench scoring for, what, like the last three or four years. I mean, he's a, he's a spark plug. But you you have Tobias Harris, and, you know, Kawhi's already kind of hinted at the fact that he would potentially come out there. You, you couple Tobias Harris with a guy like Kawhi. Now he's in Philadelphia – and they're, I mean, they have the talent to compete for an NBA championship now. Whether or not they gel or stay healthy is a different story. But I just, I hated that move from the Clippers. I actually, I, I just kind of hate that franchise because I, I, you, you think about the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin days. They should have been good. They should have made it far, far in the playoffs. And every year, they just sucked. And now, like the one, they, they finally kind of have a blueprint to get good, and they are in, the, in the playoffs in the Western Conference, which is hard to do. And now they're tanking. I just, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's for sure. It's like, yeah, I, I I get what they're doing in some respects in that, you know, they want that pick to be as good as they possibly can get it. But I think this is one of those scenarios where they weren't like, if they were bad with Tobias Harris, it'd be one thing. I totally understand trading Tobias. And, you know, I'm, I'm number one tank man. Like, no, don't suffer through NBA hell. But I think they were a more marketable team 
again, two prospective free agents with Tobias Harris, plus they could have made the playoffs. I mean, I, I think that like the difference between the, you know, whatever, the ninth or 10th pick and like the 18th pick, just it's not worth it. Like keep Tobias. I think that he would have fit in really well with, again, it seems like they're gunning for Kawhi. So that's what I would have assumed. And if that was the case, then I think they missed they missed a real opportunity. And I, I wonder if they'll look back at that if they don't get Kawhi and say, "Shoot, we you know we blew something you know potentially special here." They're dumpy. Hit me, the tank man. <laughs> All right. Well, hello, friends. Uh, so yeah, but we're gonna get to some NFL stuff right after this. But uh, just wanted to real quickly tell you guys about our friends over at podcast one if you like our show you're gonna love your welcome with chael sonnen on podcast one man sonnen was a fun guy to watch fight so join the ufc superstar as he interviews the hottest names in mma about the world of competitive fighting and more check out your welcome with chael sonnen every wednesday and friday on podcast one or wherever you get your favorite podcasts like this one aren't you yes this one indeed all right, let's get to some NFL stuff. We have some interesting storylines going on in the league. Uh, the big one is today, Le'Veon Bell is officially a free agent. He posted some ridiculous tweet about how he's free, and now he has an opportunity to, to, to scour the market and see where he ends up. Antonio Brown has a different tweet every day uh, about how he's going to be out as well. The implosion you mean in Mr. Pittsburgh. Big Chest? Yeah, Mr. Big Chest, AB84. What do you, I mean, what, what is he going by these days? But for me... I just love to see this Pittsburgh Steelers implosion. But what do you think about this offseason? I mean, we've had some NBA-like storylines. Is the NFL becoming the millennial league of football like the NBA has basketball? <laughs> I Old think man yells at cloud. Interestingly, I think it's just your boys over in Pittsburgh that are doing all this, right? Love That's it. where all the storylines come. You get you get Roethlisberger last year. They were like the biggest storyline with the uh, you know like the anthem stuff with – the offensive with Villanueva coming out and, you know, the kind of schism to locker room. And then obviously now you got Bell and, and Brown and Tomlin and Rooney and everyone's involved. Kevin Colbert goes on radio and says that, you know, it's possible that they could repair the relationship. And, you know, at the same time, Brown is posting pictures with the owner saying that they agree they need to trade. I, I mean, I just, it is such a cluster. And I think that, Honestly, I listened to the GM a couple clips from him on the radio today, and it sounded bad. Like I think that they they know that they have no leverage now because Brown just totally screwed them, and they also are on the hook for so much money as we discussed on this and previous shows. I just I they're they're they are in trouble with Brown, and uh, they're going to be both on the hook for a lot of money and probably not get fair value for their All Pro receiver. I love it. He came out and criticized Ben Roethlisberger. Now the team has come out and made a statement saying that, uh, you know, Ben could criticize whoever he wants. So they're they're clearly taking their side. And maybe it's, you know, a reaction to what Brown and Le'Veon Bell have done. And they're saying, we're going to stick with the guy who wants to be here. But in any event, this is not a good look for Pittsburgh. And not only is it not a good look for them from a drama standpoint, but just thinking about the productive nature of what they'll be able to bring to the field. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is very talented, but is he a number one caliber receiver? I don't know. We'll find out next year. Is John James Conner, is he is he a number one talent running back? He put up the stats to, to say he is last year, but can he do that in a featured role? Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like next year, and I'm hoping that their implosion on the field is as beautiful as it is off of it. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's coming, man. Like, I mean, I at some point Roethlisberger is going to be gone. I love Mason Rudolph in college, but he he did not look good in brief stints, and I don't think he was even their backup last year. So, uh, you know, when that ends, I mean, they've their coaches have been gone. I I think that. It could be a long time um, before they're good. They lost their offensive line coach, who everyone thought was maybe who everyone thinks is probably the best in the league, and he goes to Denver. And uh, you know, I, I, I've, I'm, yeah. If I was a Steelers fan, I would be very nervous. Yeah, and uh, I'm not, so I, I love it. But it, it's <laughs> the AFC North is going to be a mess next year. I mean, the the Browns are looking like the most stable team in the in the division and uh, we had a report come out a couple a month or so ago that there was porn playing in their uh, locker rooms or throughout their their team halls so <laughs> you know if that's the, the 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 most stable franchise we have in the division it's gonna be a wild ride next year I, i'm all oh, for yeah. it even though i'm gonna be probably watching my team dump their way to a two and 14 while still trying to find a defensive <laughs> coordinator halfway through the year um, but but it is what it is we'll, we'll be we'll be watching it for sure uh, but yeah. Anshu, your your favorite event, uh, one of your favorite sporting events, is going to be coming up next week, and that's the NFL Combine. Uh, and yes. we, we, we talked a little fantasy on this show, but we haven't really talked gambling lines aside from the NBA MVP. So let's talk some NFL specials, and you know, just weave in some storylines that you're looking forward to with the NFL Combine. I know that you're a huge NFL draft guy. You love keeping tabs on the prospects, and I know you know this more than anybody else on the Underdog Network. So let's let's walk through a couple of these, and then maybe give us some guys that you have an eye on in, in these particular events, but you've got uh, or drills, I guess you should say, uh, but we've got the 40 yard dash. So John Ross ended up being a pretty unproductive NFL player up to this point. But before he did that, he broke the record for the fastest NFL 40 yard dash at the combine. And the question here is, will there be someone who is under 4.222 second or 4.22 seconds this year or over and they've got the under at plus 200 the over at minus 300 so first of all where do you land on this and second of all who's a guy that you maybe think could potentially give him a run for his money oh well, I'm, first of all i'm gonna go over i think that it'd be stunning if anyone could do it john ross basically an olympian um you know crazy triple john i mean and everyone knew that he was gonna run an absurd time so it's going to be almost impossible to do that. I think Hollywood Brown, it looks like Marquise Brown from uh, Oklahoma is not going to be running. He um, hurt. He had a Liz Frank injury, so he's going to be out till probably training camp, which is a big blow to his draft stock. And, um, you know, it's obviously him not running is a big, big, big factor. I think, you know, two guys to watch here is one is uh, Paris Campbell, who's a Former, he went to St. Vincent St. Mary uh, High School, which you may know of as uh, Romeo Travis. Yes, Romeo, Romeo Travis. That was it. Great actor, um, but super, yeah, super, super fast track star. Um, set the state title in various relays. Um, set the state record for the indoor sixty meter. So he is a good option. He to you know if anyone's going to do it, six one two zero five. Ferris Campbell from Ohio State is a a likely one if anyone I, I still don't think he ultimately does it the other is andy isabella is a receiver from the university of massachusetts only like five nine really small but he uh he's a freak show athlete also as far as speed his jumps are going to be insane um i expect him to have an absolutely awesome combine probably a day three pick but he could work himself into around the fourth round of the draft if he has a good showing and his production at umass was also amazing he played against georgia 
in a game and was really good. So, you know, he's played against some pretty tough competition. That's a name to watch, but I, I don't think either of them break four two two in the uh, in the forty. What about four two nine? That's another one here. The the fastest forty yard dash by any player. They both set at minus one twenty, but they've got four two nine as that line. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, generally speaking, you know, four three. You might get you might get one or two that are around the four three range. The top one last year was tied there were three i believe that were tied denzel ward was four three two dante jackson from lsu was four three two and then i think dj shark was also four three two or four three four from lsu if i remember correctly so those guys are right around there um i think four two nine is probably a 50 50 shot so uh if you feel like betting on speed go ahead and bet the under there i like it what about rich eisen what's his 40 yard dash gonna be they've got six seconds says the over under <laughs> It's funny. I listened to him on Pardon My Take today. Gotta love Rich What'd Eisen. What do you think? Yeah, I thought he was. I I thought that was a really good interview. Um, Rich Eisen. It's always always fun. Uh, I think he was. He's gotten better almost every year, if I'm not mistaken. So he uh, Father he Time. Now. Yeah, that's right. So he got to. All right, here are the numbers for Rich Eisen. He was a. He ran a six seven seven in two thousand five. Then 622, 2006, 643, 644, 631, 618, 603, 603, 598, 610, 594, 602, 597. So, um, you know, he's always hovered right around six. My guess is as he ages, that speed that you've got i i i'm guessing you could go what right around five five i'd probably be in the fives i i it's been a while since i've run one but uh you know what was your last number in high school probably like a five wow i want to say it was like a five two or a five three i can't remember i bet it i bet you're faster now than you were then yeah probably not what about uh, your broad jump, vertical jump, sixty-yard shuttle? What do you think of those uh, those events? I mean, obviously these are talking athleticism, which we just kind of touched on with the dash. But are any of these jumping out at you? Um, so the vert is interesting because I think that DK Metcalf is. We've seen his uh, stuff go viral here in the last few days. I'm sure you saw it. He basically looks like a jacked-up David Boston. Um, looks like he might blow out all of his knee ligaments at any given time, but um, he is an absolute monster. And I think here, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is a, a huge receiver from Stanford who makes some unbelievable uh, contested catches at the top of his jumps. I think those two guys are interesting. When you look at the vert, um, you know, that they they could potentially at 45 inches, I mean, that's that's a huge, huge number, but DK Metcalf specifically, I think, could get there. Um, and uh, you know, there's all obviously some littler players again, guys like Andy Isabella. I, I do think that he's he's someone that could potentially do that. So, I, and I love watching the vert because those the smaller guys can really get up, and it's uh, it's always fun to watch that. So, I think I'd, I'd potentially bet the over forty three and a half is the highest vert for any by any player. I like that it, hitting the over on that one. What about the big uglies, bench press? Is there a guy that, that brings a lot of strength that you could see uh, pumping over 49.5 <laughs> reps there? 
Oh man, forty nine and a half is pretty absurd. I uh, I don't know that that is one that I would be betting on. But You've got one at forty uh, and one at forty nine and a half. So depending on how much range you want to have, uh, you know they've got forty nine and a half. They've got the over at plus three twenty five. Uh, the over at forty is minus one twenty. So if you're looking to win a little bit of coin and you think there's a guy who can get over that, you're gonna want to go the forty nine and a half. Otherwise, probably stay away, right? Yeah, yep, that's exactly right. And I think that there is a guy, if there is one, it's Dalton Reisner, who has been mentioned heavily in the first round from Kansas State. Uh, just an absolute you know, animal out there. And, and that's something that we saw last year with uh, the kid from Notre Dame, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame that ends up going to Indianapolis. He put up a huge number. I think that that's a similar thing that you'll see with Dalton Reisner. So if I'm looking for a specific guy uh, that could potentially hit that, that lower number, I think that Reisner is the one. I got to say, Anshu, I cannot wait to dig deeper into the NFL Combine. Oh, yeah. uh, I know you're very excited about it, and I'm excited to hear uh, your thoughts so that I can sound like an expert when I go talk to my other friends about the NFL Combine and about the, the <laughs> prospects that we have coming up. So, uh, Well, we have all the same friends, so true. we're screwed. Well, they'll know, just, I, they'll just, know I got it from you. No. A couple no of them listen, so they'll, know, they'll also get it they'll from you. Know. <laughs> they don't know that you're feeding me info on AOL Instant Messenger, so that's the only reason I know this stuff off the cuff. Big aim guy, right after you dial up your Netscape connection. Beautiful. <laughs> right. All right, Anshu, anything else before we let our listeners get to their weekend here? No, sir. Uh, I think it's going to be should be an interesting weekend of college hoops. Uh, hopefully Zion Williamson's knee did not just explode on the court at Cameron Indoor, but we will have more. Hopefully some NCAA futures next weekend as we roll very, very near into March Madness. Yeah, those lines could change significantly if that's serious at all. Well, as always, I'm Josh Dunn for Anshu Khanna. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. (laughs) 